0: If you're from Detroit, you've likely seen them before. Like at Comerica Park after a baseball game. there will be the typical street vendors selling coney dogs or t-shirts, maybe some sidewalk petitioners seeking signatures, rowdy pedicabs or bachelor parties climbing into Ubers. And there, as fans pour out into the streets, will be what looks like a rather unexpected group occupying a street corner. A small group of people calmly engaging passerby, handing out rosaries, miraculous medals, and brochures. It's an odd sight for this and countless other Detroit corners that this group of evangelizers occupy. But the occasional eye roll or harsh word does nothing to tamper the zeal of the people who see themselves as a manifestation of a centuries-long tradition of Catholic evangelization. They know the stakes, they know the urgency, and they're here to stay.
1: When I, I,
0: I read the Bible, Uh, I see evangelization from cover to cover. This is Steve Dawson, the founder of St. Paul Street Evangelization, the grassroots nonprofit that makes it their mission to take the Catholic faith to the streets.
1: From the prophets of old, you know, Jonah going into Nineveh, you know, and calling the the town to repentance to John the Baptist. And he's out there in the wilderness preaching the kingdom of God and, and then Jesus himself you know, the Sermon on the Mount, or the woman at the well, or or with his disciples, and then Jesus sending the seventy-two into the towns and squares and villages to proclaim the kingdom of God, and then throughout the Gospels, and then into the Acts of the Apostles, you have Peter and John and and uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and 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 Paul in the Areopagus and down by the river, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like so. And then out of the New Testament and into the early church and throughout the centuries, we have the great evangelists throughout the world that that go into the towns and squares and villages like St. Vincent Ferrer, St. Francis Xavier, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, the Jesuit martyrs who came to the United States. Um, uh, so, so this evangelization, this direct public evangelization is, is Catholic
0: from the very beginning. Steve took the call to evangelize very seriously. He didn't see it as an antiquated church need, but an urgent pressing one. He saw a world embroiled in misery and approached it like he had the cure to save humanity from all heartbreak. St. Paul Street evangelization started as just one man who felt that Catholics were missing out on an extremely important part of their calling, who pulled out his equivalent of a staff and sandals, rosaries and miraculous medals, and hit the streets to change it. The fact that it has since exploded into a nationwide lay apostolate with over a thousand volunteers and teams in five different countries, well that was never even on Steve's radar. But that's the way these things tend to work. As Steve frequently says, they just plant the seeds, God takes care of the rest. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. Find all episodes at DetroitCatholic.com or subscribe to Detroit Stories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. Steve Dawson and his wife were walking along the Portland, Oregon Riverwalk in 2012 when they noticed something.
1: You know, there was a lot of street performers, there was, and there was a lot of evangelists, but none of them were Catholic. The Jehovah's Witnesses were out there. The Mormons were out there. But, uh, you know, the Protestants were out there. But I had never at that point seen a Catholic evangelizing. This didn't sit right with Steve. I knew that we should be out there because when I I, I read the Bible, uh, I see evangelization from cover to cover. I realized that for some reason that we had... Lost that charism, or at least seemed to lose the charism of that public evangelization that was so highlighted in the scripture and throughout the centuries in the church. And I thought to myself, well, you know, where are all the Catholics? Are so the Protestants are out here? The Jehovah's Witnesses? You know, we have the fullness of truth. So I just, um, so some friends and I just got some rosaries and and you know set up a little table and started passing out
0: pamphlets on the Catholic Church and and rosaries. It started small, but it went well. Steve expected hostility to be evangelizing in what is probably the least religious city in the U.S., but it wasn't what he expected. What Steve found was that the simple act of giving a rosary or medal to someone gave him a tiny opening into talking with people about their faith and learning about where people were at. It was a small step that Steve didn't even know was the beginning of something much bigger. But it was the first step in a new type of evangelization Steve knew all too well that the church deeply needed.
1: I just grew up without having any knowledge of God at all. I was born to a fallen away Catholic mother, and she had me baptized. Um, But, you know, it was just out of ceremony, something that she did um, because she thought she... She had to do that uh, based on her culture and her Catholic upbringing. But I I never remember being raised in the faith at all at home. I never remember talking about the faith in the family. My dad had no religion in his family and I just grew up without having any knowledge of God at all. And by the time I was a teenager, um, I started getting in
0: a lot of trouble. Steve was arrested for the first time at 13 in a high-speed police pursuit, a chase that ended with him totaling his dad's brand-new Thunderbird Supercoop.
1: Just by the grace of God, I survived that because it was a very serious accident. Um, And that was just the first time that I was arrested of many times. In fact, I I don't really even remember how many times I've been arrested. But the fact of the matter is, as I was a teenager and going into early adulthood, I was really
0: living for the pleasures of this world. Steve was addicted to drugs and alcohol. He lived his teen years like he did that first arrest, like life was a high-speed pursuit where he was trying to outpace the feelings of emptiness that came nipping at his heels every time he stopped. I was addicted to just the pleasures of this world, the fast-living
1: excitement and, and just... Um, Being, you know, uh, going from one moment to the next, just trying to feel the best that I could possibly feel. But what ended up happening is, as I'm sure you've you've heard before, um, the pleasures of the world do not fulfill. And
0: uh, I was, at the end of the day, I was empty. It was during these reckless years that Steve's extremely worried mother started wandering back to her spiritual roots for guidance. She met with a priest in Detroit regularly for advice and ended up coming back to her Catholic faith. She eventually converted Steve's dad as well. But Steve, he wouldn't budge.
1: I was not really interested um, until, you know, I hit rock bottom, so to speak. Um, My mom had been evangelizing me, telling me I needed to um, turn to God if I, I wanted to be happy in life, and, you know, one day I just... I woke up and I said, all right, you know, God, if you really exist, you're going to have to show me because, you know, I'm pretty much done with this life. <laughs> I was really beat down and, um, and he, he showed up. I mean, I didn't have a, a miraculous um, vision or apparition or anything like that, but God gave me in, an incredible supernatural grace. To really try to um, the the desire to search for him, to study uh, about the different religions, and eventually to be, become convinced that um, Christianity was true and and Jesus existed.
0: Steve's conversion gave him a profound heart for those who have yet to arrive at the same truth. He knew the utter despair, depression, and lifelessness he felt when he was seeking worldly fulfillment, and it paled in comparison to the richness of the life that he had now. He wanted, he needed to reach these people.
1: When I looked around at the world, um, I saw a lot of brokenness. I knew of my own brokenness, but I, I also saw that the world was broken. There's you know all kinds of suffering all kinds of violence and poverty and division and sex trafficking and all these terrible things in the world and and we're so we're at each other's throats and and it's just we we're, we're really living in a fallen world right now and back you know 10, uh, 10 years ago in 2012 um or even before that I I realized that the solution to all these problems was conversion to Jesus, that our world was broken, but the only ultimate lasting solution was the reconversion of our world to Jesus and his church. And not only did I realize that Jesus was the answer to all the like temporal problems that we faced, but also, and most importantly, Jesus is the solution for the eternal problem that we all face, which is eternal separation from God. I heard the call of our popes over and over and over again. Um, they, they were telling us to re-evangelize the culture, To re- we needed to re-evangelize uh, the world, and
0: I was... All in, I I knew that God was calling me to do it. The founding of St. Paul Street Evangelization was less of a master vision of a nonprofit founder and more of an ad hoc response to the few opportunities to talk about Christ that Steve faced every day. In restaurants, bookstores, on buses, street corners, every small encounter was an opportunity for Steve to plant a seed. When I got
1: married, I knew that God was still calling me to evangelize. And so I just, um, really what happened was I started passing out miraculous medals. uh, And I was just having amazing conversations with random people in my life. Um, For example, I was at a restaurant with some friends and we offered the waitress a miraculous medal. And she said, oh, is this Catholic? My boyfriend's Catholic. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Have you ever considered becoming Catholic? And she said, She had, but she didn't believe all the teachings of the Catholic Church. And I said, well, like what? And she said, well, like abortion. I believe that sometimes, you know, that God understands that it's not wrong in every single circumstance, et cetera. And so I just said simply to her, well, you know, as Catholics, we believe that, um, you know, what science teaches, that from the moment of conception, you have a new human person and that, Um, It's not up to us to decide who lives or who dies. You know, that's God's choice. And that's all. And she's like, huh, I never thought it was that simple. And um, she said, well, thanks. I'll think about it. And anyway, we had a nice dinner, and I left that restaurant. Having never seen that waitress before and never thinking that I would see her again, I did actually run into her. A few months later, actually at the same restaurant, I went back there, and she recognized me, and she ran up to me and said, Sit down, sit down, I have to tell you something. That day that you gave me that miraculous medal, I had just found out I was pregnant, and I was going to have an abortion. And I knew that God had sent you as a sign for me to keep my baby. It was moments like that, with just a simple, like, uh offering of someone a miraculous medal or a rosary or a holy card in random circumstances even with people that you didn't know it was moments like that where i realized that two-minute conversations that i had with people you know that i had never even met before two-minute conversations god could use those conversations to bring about change, to
0: bring about conversion, even to save lives. When Steve and his wife moved back to his hometown of Detroit in 2013, he formally instituted St. Paul Street Evangelization, sharing news about his effort on Facebook, where other Catholics were transformed by the reality of how easy sharing one's faith could really be. The ministry grew with teams throughout the U.S., Australia, Canada, Denmark, and the U.K., all trying to follow Steve's simple approach of taking to the streets and starting a conversation. Dioceses, seminaries, and formation programs started taking notice of the flourishing ministry. Steve responded by offering evangelization training workshops, an intensive online school of evangelization, and in 2018, the St. Paul Evangelization Institute that offers a two-year formal program in evangelization volunteers interested in hitting the streets received training from the team at St. Paul Street Evangelization and then formed groups of at least two to choose a place in their city or town with a high level of pedestrian traffic. Steve knew that public evangelization wasn't one of the Catholic Church's more robust strengths but he was shocked to see the hunger people had to join his grassroots movement.
2: One day I saw an event on Facebook Uh, Noel Night. You know that event in Detroit? It's a big event. You know, they shut down these city blocks, and it's like this whole kind of festival um, in late November. And I saw that St. Paul Street Evangelization, who I'd never heard of, was going to be evangelizing.
0: This is Bob Wilson, present-day director of St. Paul Street Evangelization. But at the time, he was a fresh convert looking to do his part for the new evangelization.
2: I mean, I'm like, hey, I I get peace when I evangelize, let me go do this thing. And I was just scared, of course, you know, I was out of my comfort zone, this kid from suburbia shooting down to Detroit in the inner city to evangelize. But I I knew the peace that I I I got when I talked to people about Jesus and so I said, Well, let me just let me do it.
0: Bob showed up for what ended up being a seventy degree Noel night. It was absolutely packed. And Bob?
2: Well, I was scared, you know, initially, because like I don't know how I'm going to be received. It's one thing evangelizing on Facebook, you know, and talking to your family about it, but it's a whole other ball of wax, you know. when you you have this idea of your head of people, you know, getting on soapboxes and shouting bull with bull horns about evangelization, and so and they're treated poorly, and I'm not surprised that they're treated poorly because they're yelling at people, but you know, it was great. It was this great energy. We weren't doing it in a way that would make people angry. And, you know, I could just feel like the Holy Spirit was out there um, guiding us. And, you know, you you think it's going to be about apologetics, but a lot of people, they, you know, you would talk, you, you would go on Facebook and talk to people and you would get in these specific rooms where people would like to have these debates, but out on the street, a lot of people are just don't know, you know, they've heard of Jesus, but, They probably have the wrong impression of him. And so it was just, it was just conversations and it wasn't confrontational. It was just,
0: it was just cool. Bob was hooked. He was just one of the hundreds of volunteers who joined St. Paul Street Evangelization in the next several years. Another was Carol LaPalme, a Royal Oak staple who stands in front of the Starbucks on Main Street every Wednesday night with her team and rosaries in hand.
3: You know I was involved in evangelization already in my own parish, but not on the streets I'd always wanted to do something like that.
0: This is Carol
3: um uh, well, it's so easy to do it <laughs> because you you just uh it's not like you've got a shop on the rooftops uh like it's very non confrontational you don't have to have a huge uh you, you don't need a degree in theology or anything like that you know and um you just gotta show up basically and just be there. To be open to people and talk to people. You never know what the, what their problems are going to be. Sometimes they're sick. A lot of times you have self-problems. Sometimes they've lost someone. Um, sometimes people will stop and then just start pouring out their hearts to you about something. In fact, that just happened last night um, when we were evangelizing. But um, so maybe. Uh, but you know, sometimes you, you're just there to listen to them and to what they have to say, and then you have to pray
0: with them. One of the most interesting features of sidewalk evangelization is that most of the people evangelizers encounter, they never see again. It's a humbling position to take in evangelization because of the gratification of seeing someone enter the church, the thrill of accompanying them through the tougher questions, or the joy of their moment of recognition, those are all left in God's hands. The St. Paul teams are very aware that they're merely starting a conversation and that it's God's to take from there.
3: We only see them for a lot of times for a few minutes. We're just trying to plant seeds.
0: Um,
3: I know I've talked to people who said they, they they want to try to go back to church after they talk to us. And you certainly hope they do, you know.
2: I can see like tears in people's eyes. I can see them intensely looking at me. And I can see them, you know I've I've gotten hugs, you know. So yeah, I've uh, I've definitely experienced that thing. But you know we're predominantly we're seed scatterers we don't you know I, a lot of times usually i don't see the the person anymore ever we entrust them to god and our lady and we keep praying for them and so like i said sometimes we we'll, we'll see the fruit usually we don't but like i said it's just a it's a work of god
0: it's about as humbling as evangelization can get Bearing the smirks or occasional hostile words for what Bob said is 5-10% to 10% of the time that someone will stop and converse. And then after all that, to go home wondering most of the time if anything came of it. While the individual evangelist may not encounter the fruits of their labor, a host of changed hearts are popping up across the country and street corners. The near-daily heartwarming stories are shared on SPSE's Facebook page with their almost 400,000 followers. And perhaps the biggest reward is when one of the former evangelized comes back to join them as a volunteer.
4: One Saturday morning, after i had taken my child to her music lesson, I walked over to the public library as I normally did.
0: This is Donna Spivy.
4: And on that day, there happened to be a table outside uh, with... Uh, a group of about five people. And normally I see the, the voting people wanting signatures or Jehovah witness, but this one looked a little different. Um, they were uh, very friendly and they had uh, crucifixes and rosaries and things. So I was very called to walk over and I did that.
0: This was in Phoenix, Arizona in front of the public library downtown and Donna was drawn to this table for a couple of reasons. For one, the people at the table were very warm, and for another, she recognized the rosaries and medals they were giving out as Catholic, and she was fascinated by Catholicism. While she had been baptized Christian as an infant, her family's faith became cultural as she grew up. But for Donna, that void left her hungry for an answer to fill it with.
4: I was baptized as an infant in the Reformed Church. I grew up in a loving home with my parents, family, we went to church usually on holidays like Christmas, Easter, and that type of thing. And then by the time I was um, in college, I was not going at all to church, even on holidays, and I was um, searching so much. I um, studied Judaism, Islam in school, not as my major, but I could almost be a religion minor. I took so many classes about religion, just searching. I had, had the privilege of going to Egypt where I got to go to a Coptic church and I was amazed at the reverence and the beauty and the fact that it went so far back. And then I got to travel some more also to Greece and to Rome and I didn't see a neighborhood congregational church there. and. And I I somehow got the clue that this religion, Catholicism, went all the way back to Jesus Christ.
0: Donna felt so drawn to Catholicism, she even attended Mass four times. But the reception she received was cold. She felt unsure about how to follow along with the Mass, and she felt like an outsider, and ultimately, she stopped going.
4: When I went with my child to, mass on christmas eve one time i remember thinking i don't know what to do i don't know anybody what if people stare at me for just sitting down during the communion you know and so i think as an outsider um not even knowing yet about the true presence of jesus in the eucharist i think outsiders don't know that and therefore they think why is everybody just focused ahead in front.
0: This very thing was the exact problem Steve saw with the church and what he was hoping to change. He knew the church had the fullness of the truth, the richness of the sacraments, but the church, in his eyes, had become sleepy in communicating that to the outside world.
4: And then when I went in to check out some library books and came out, they were still there, and I noticed they were giving out sandwiches to the homeless, and I was just very... Um, touched by the experience, I couldn't get it out of my mind. So I was very called to walk over and I did that. And that's where I talked with them. After dropping my child off at our piano lesson, I, I couldn't believe it. I'd gone to those probably four masses before and I, not many people invite people to church and they were so friendly and sharing and And they basically were saying, you can be Catholic. I didn't, even though that sounds crazy, I didn't think I could.
0: The group offered her a brochure, a rosary, a miraculous medal, and invited her to pray with them, which she did. They prayed for her family. It couldn't have been more than a 10-minute interaction, but for Donna, it was all she needed. She started looking online for Catholic parishes. Two months later, she sat down with a priest and talked about entering RCIA. And the year she became Catholic, Donna received a phone call from one of the St. Paul evangelists she first encountered asking her to join their team of volunteers. Today, Donna is a devoted street evangelist in Florida where her devout Catholic daughter attends college. This last spring, her mom joined the Catholic faith.
4: I'm so thankful to God and our Lord and the apostolate of St. Paul's treat evangelization and the wonderful people, they've changed my life, my family's life. I have Jesus and I love him and want to serve him with everything. And before that, I didn't, I was searching, but I didn't. And I have peace and I have peace even with my family.
0: With over 1,000 registered volunteers all across the globe, Steve's grassroots organization has the same characteristics of the legacy of Catholic evangelists before it. Humble origins, unlikely evangelizers, and unexpected growth.
1: All the great evangelists had had, um, a great zeal for souls and an urgency in their work of evangelization because they knew that eternal souls were on the line. This is Steve again. So we need to have the same urgency that we would have, you know, if, if there's a fire in the house and we, had the, the, we were able to save the people inside. We need to kind of develop that sort of urgency. Do not be afraid. Um, God is with you. He wants to help you be an effective evangelist. And you just got to take one step one little step after another and just do the best that you can but it's it's important to do something every every Catholic needs to be doing something for the proclamation of the gospel
0: here's Bob
2: it's obviously God's work, you know because we're this grassroots apostle we're we we're we're learning as we go, and so it, it's like it's sorely needed one thing you know it's it's necessary and it's really unique and it's like Yeah, so I'm amazed that God can use a bunch of us people from different backgrounds who don't necessarily know how to grow an apostolate, you know, he's just taking our yes and he's doing amazing things with it. So it's like, I am amazed and I'm not at the same time. He's using us goofballs to kind of further his kingdom.
0: Through the assumed madman ramblings of a hair shirt covered prophet, or the fiery words of an imprisoned former prosecutor, through the secret masses amid anti-clerical reigns of terror, or the whispered words of hope in times of persecution, the seeds planted throughout time and place have scattered in remarkable ways. And if we choose to plant them, God's capacity to scatter them knows no bounds. Detroit Stories is a production of the Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.